My name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. Welcome to today's episode of the No Content Podcast. We are in the middle of a series right now entitled For This Cause. And what we're talking about is following the cause of the glory of God versus the agendas of man. And this is part two in this series. Uh, I did this last year, and I just felt impressed that this is something that, as far as I know, I believe the Lord may have me do annually around this time of year is have this uh, series and and honestly, I'm almost treating it like I would a conference, like the flow of a conference. It's not a conference; it's podcasts. But I don't know. Hey, it's almost like a podcast conference. I mean, why not? You know, it's 2023, and you know, but that's just kind of the flow I've been sensing in this. And so we're talking about the glory of God. We're talking about the manifestation of the glory of God, and letting our cause, our agenda in life, be to give glory to God. And so this is part two, and the title of today's message is My Race and His Grace. And we're going to be getting into this today. Let me pray, and then we'll uh, jump right in. Father, I thank you for this podcast today. Lord, I thank you for your grace to communicate this well and to communicate it accurately, Father, to speak words that will edify and bring life and nourish people up in the words of faith. Father, I thank you for each listener. I ask that you would give them ears to hear and eyes to see. I bind up any uh, deceptive spirits that would try to twist my words or, or hinder the way this is coming across, Father. And I ask that you would soften people's hearts to be good ground to receive the engrafted word, which is able to save their soul, Lord. And I just thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. Uh, in the beginning here, I just want to mention something before I get into my text. I've been talking about man's agendas. And we got to watch out for man's agendas because these are things that try to dist- distract from the cause of Christ. And something that I felt like the Lord brought up to me, and listen, I'm not trying to be rude and I'm not trying to be crude, but this is what I felt like the Lord brought up to me. In Isaiah 10:27, it talks about how the yoke is destroyed because of the anointing. And if you look that up, that language, some translations say the yoke is destroyed because of fatness. Well, the picture is of an ox that is so strong, so muscular, that the yoke can't sustain itself on top of this ox because it's so strong and so fat. And really, a great picture of this is the Incredible Hulk. You know, what happens when he becomes the Hulk? He rips off his shirt. What was on him gets broken. Well, that's the picture that's being painted. The yoke is destroyed because of the anointing, because of fatness. But there's two kinds of spiritual fat. And listen, I'm not trying to be offensive, but I felt like the Lord said this to me. He, he said, man's agendas are like spiritual fat, and they, they keep people from being able to do what I've called them to do. They keep people from being able to run their race. And we got to be careful about the agendas of man. You know, the bones are right, 
but they're encumbered by all these other things, what has been added. And this is what I want to say to you in the beginning. You can either get fat with the anointing, fatness, or you can get fat with man's agenda, with your own agenda, or with other people's agenda. And here's the thing. Let me say it to you this way. Spiritually speaking, you can either be fat or you can be fit. Now, again, I'm saying this. I'm not trying to be offensive to anybody. I'm not, you know, hear my heart in this. This is how I felt like the Lord gave it to me. You can either be fat or you can be fit. And spiritually, this is going to go right along with what we're going to talk about today. If you want to run your race, you have to be spiritually fit, which means you have to get rid of the spiritual fat. What is the spiritual fat? Man's agenda. You got to get rid of man's agenda. You, that, that includes your own will, your own things that you want. Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. And that includes the will of other people who are not over you in the Lord. Now, there is a truth in submitting your will to somebody else's will when they're over you in the Lord. And we did a whole podcast about that with Elijah Merle that you can go back and listen to. We covered that at length. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, this is our text, and he talked about how, uh, you know, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, and even though we're troubled on every side, we're not distressed, we're perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, dealing with suffering, you could say. And, you know, there is suffering that comes with uh, running your race. You know, running a natural race has to do with some natural physical suffering, getting into shape physically. I mean, you know, you've heard uh, you've heard that that Rocky, you know, theme song, right? Right. You 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 know what I'm talking about? That montage. You know, Rocky is a uh, Rocky is training. You know, he's doing his thing, and uh, he uh, he is. Um, let me, let me, I gotta find it here, just, 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 just for the effect, you know, what is it, Rocky's training, he's doing his thing, and uh, he's, he's suffering, you know, he's suffering in the flesh, uh, you know, First uh, Peter talks about how he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, you know, so, so just get the picture with me here, Rocky is in the barn, and he is, he's training, you know, he's doing his thing, he is, you know, uh, boxing. He is walking up the, the snowy mountain and all that stuff. But what's happening at the same time? You, you got Drago. He's over here in the lab. They're doing all these tests to him, all these steroids, you know. They're, they're doing all this stuff to him, and it's supposedly making him strong. But Rocky's doing the real thing. Oh, come on. I feel the anointing. <laughs> I think it's the anointing. But, you know, he's doing it the real thing. He's training. He's being nourished up. In the words of faith. That's enough of that. I hope I don't get, you know, banned for putting that on here. But he's being nourished up in the words of faith, you could say. And, and, and you know, steroids can represent the agendas of man. You know, it, it's, it's artificial. Ooh, come on. It's artificial. It's not the real thing. And we got to watch out about artificial strength. We got to watch out about artificial things. Uh... Gold being traded for brass. We got to watch out about these things, the agendas of man, because the truth is that's not what's going to sustain you in the ring. That's not what's going to sustain you in running your race. There has to be some authenticity, some faith that can go through the fire. Do you, do you see what we're saying here? That can stand the trial, that can stand the suffering. And so, but it has to do with whether or not you're suffering 
for the name of Christ or for your own foolishness. The Bible talks about if you suffer for your faults, I mean, that's your problem, <laughs> you know? God will still have mercy on you if you'll repent and humble yourself. But suffering according to the will of God, suffering because you're shedding some things. Ooh, you're shedding some agendas of man, and it can burn. Ooh, it can burn to do that. It can burn, but you're getting fit. Do you see that? My, my, uh, my friend Jeremy Pearsons preached an excellent message one time called Fit for the Fight. If you haven't heard that, you should go listen to that. But watch this. He, he says this. Um, he talks about how uh, our bodies are always given to death for your sake, you know. And, and you see the picture there of, of suffering in the flesh. He said, For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. What would help you to run your race? Because something's being renewed on the inside of you. Something is working on the inside of you that even though you're suffering in the flesh, something's happening on the inside of you. You've got this treasure in earthen vessels, and there's this abundant grace that is causing you to run your race Ooh, for the glory of God, for that cause. Do you see that? That's what we're talking about today, is running your race. And we read this verse in the last podcast, Isaiah 40, 27. He said, the, the creator of the universe doesn't faint or get weary. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Why are they running and not getting weary? Because there's grace to run your race. Ooh, come on. When you're following His cause, when you're doing things for Him, when you're running the race that He has set before you, there's grace to run that race. There's abundant grace that causes you to run your race so that it redounds to the glory of God. Amen. Let's read this in Hebrews chapter 12. And we're actually going to read quite a bit here because we're going to see some things that try to hinder us from running our race. Uh, he said, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. So these are things that would hinder you. And he said, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, Jesus started you on the race. He shot the gun that said, it's time to go, and he's waiting for you at the end of your race. That means he is with me in this. Let me say it to you like this. Jesus is my sponsor for the race that I'm running. Ooh. And, 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 and listen, when Jesus is my sponsor, I'm not paying for, it, for all this stuff. I'm not paying for everything that I'm using to run this race. He's my sponsor. I've got his name on the back, you know, and I know a lot of people have Jesus' name on the back of their t-shirt. doesn't necessarily mean they're running their race, but metaphorically speaking, I've got his name on me, and he's sponsoring me. That's why things are light and easy. Uh, see, Jesus Jesus paid for that, that lightweight 
you know, fabric of clothes that helps me to, to get, you know, less wind resistance. You know, he, 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 he got me those cloud shoes, you know, that's not ad placement, but he got me the, some of those cloud shoes that helps me to run. See what he's sponsoring me and it's making it easier for me to run my race. I've got grace to run my race because he's my sponsor. And here's the thing. Uh, what is it that helps people in running a race when they're running for a cause? Ooh, come on. They're running for a cause. And when you're running for the right cause and you've got the right sponsor, there's grace to run your race. Notice it said that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Now, look down here. It said, for consider him who endured. You keep seeing this word endure, endure, endure. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Now, we're talking about running a race, but would becoming weary and discouraged in your soul have anything to do with you not running your race? Yeah. And what was the the source of it? hostility from, watch this, hecklers. (laughs) People in the grandstands who are not cheering you on. People in the grandstands who are not saying Godspeed. People in the grandstands who are booing you when you're trying to run your race. And that has this potential to make you weary and discouraged in your soul. I heard Andrew Womack say this recently. He said the Lord showed him about people who were persecuting him that A lot of times he was trying to run his race, but he would stop to argue with the people in the grandstands. And here's the thing. The Lord told him this. Even if you win the argument, you'll lose the race. Oh, come on, man. I'm getting excited. He said, even if you win the argument, you still lost the race. Why? Because you stopped running to deal with the opposition, the persecution. So what should you do when you're being persecuted? Keep running your race. Just keep running your race. You can't stop and argue with the the naysayers because even if you win the argument, you still lost the race because you got distracted. He said, don't let yourself become weary and discouraged in your soul. He said, you have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as a son. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Now, there is a big difference between accusation and rebuke. Accusation is not correction. Accusation comes from the naysayer in the stands. But watch this. Rebuke comes from your coach. Ooh, come on. Rebuke comes from the one with the whistle that's helping to train you. You know, like in Rocky. We already talked about that. I think I'm having to go back and watch Rocky Four now. Um, it said, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there who a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live. For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness by those, watch this, 
who have been trained by it. Oh, come on. Who have been trained by it. Why would it be uncomfortable in the flesh? Why would it be suffering in the flesh? Because something is being burned off of me. Something is being shed off of me. There is spiritual fat that I'm burning off that's being shed off me, and it, and it, and it can hurt. It can be painful in the moment. It can feel like suffering, but what's happening? I'm being trained. Do you see what's being pictured here? Running a race, being trained, getting fit. This is a picture of an athlete and his coach. The coach is helping the athlete to run the race. But you notice something that a coach does not do. He doesn't do things that hinder the person he's training from running the race. See, anytime something is happening to you to try and keep you from running your race, you know that's not your coach. That's not your good shepherd. That's not him talking to you. No, he's trying to help you get into shape so you can run your race. Do you see that? Watch what he says here. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Rather be healed. See, setting a a dislocated arm can be very painful, but it brings healing. Why would you need to set a dislocated arm so that you can keep running your race? But see, people get off and out of the perfect will of God because they get distracted with man's agendas and man's causes and man's things and and things are out of place. It's not right. Something's not good, but it's like you don't want to touch it. You just want to leave it as it is. But if you let God come in and set that thing, yes, it'll hurt, but then peace is going to come. And now I can run my race. See, this is all working toward me being able to run and finish my race. And he goes on to say this, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully lest anyone do what? Fall short of the grace of God. What are we talking about? Having grace to run your race. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. So what would cause you to fall short of the grace to run your race? Not letting things be healed, not receiving coaching and correction, and allowing bitterness to take root in you. Well, let me ask you this. What's the opposite of bitterness? Sweetness. Sweetness. I mean, think about like a cup of coffee, you know, that that it's bitter until you add some sweetener in that thing. Well, if bitterness hinders the grace, that means the grace has to do with sweetness. (laughs) Receiving grace is sweet. And the more grace you are operating in, the sweeter life is. The less grace you are operating in, the more bitter life is on a regular basis. So what does this have to do with correction? Well, the Bible says that God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. You know, you'll see in Scripture, there's a direct connection between humility and sweetness in in just your attitude. People that are humble are sweet. Uh, The Bible talks about, let your forbearance be known to all men. That word means sweet reasonableness. But there's also a connection between pride and bitterness. You see that with Cain and Abel. You see that with Esau and Jacob, which is who he goes on to, to talk about. This pride and this bitterness. But there's a, there's a correlation between humility and sweetness of spirit. Oh, come on. Humble people are sweet. Humble people are gentle. Humble people are kind. 
But proud people are bitter, aggressive, and mean. And this is, you can see the, the, the course that somebody's going on, the direction they're going when these things begin to increase one way or the other. When a person is increasing in sweetness, gentleness, kindness, love, reasonableness, they're going the right direction. They're following the Spirit. But when somebody is continuing and growing in bitterness, aggression, um, meanness, um, offense, they're going the wrong way. That's how you can identify that. And we all need grace to run the race that's set before us. So who gets the grace? Well, we just talked about it, but now let's read it. First Peter 5, verse 5 says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Now, the context of this, he's talking to shepherds. He's talking to shepherds over people. And, he, and he's saying, younger shepherds need to submit to the elder shepherds. He said, Yes, all of you be submissive one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, the reason why I said the thing about shepherds is because this verse is not saying that you should submit to anybody who's just naturally older than you. Uh, there are some people who are pastors of churches that have congregants who are older than them in age, and yet they're subject to them as pastor. They're under their, their shepherding, their pastoring. So that's why I said that. But he said, be clothed, with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So, we're seeing some things in this. Being proud has to do with resistance. Being humble has to do with being propelled forward. Mm, come on. So it's like riding a bike. You know, you change gears on a bike and there's more resistance or you change and there's less resistance. Well, pride is like riding a bike uphill. Humility is like riding a bike downhill. There's a picture here, humbling yourself and being lifted, being pushed forward by the mighty hand of God. That's not being resisted. Now, that doesn't mean people don't resist you. We've already addressed that. But God's not resisting you. And what did he say in Romans? If God is for me, who can be against me? See, humility has this propelling. It's like something coming behind you and propelling you forward. Whereas pride is like trying to ride a bike uphill. It's resistance. It's I'm trying to do this. It's getting harder and harder. It's getting more and more difficult. I'm losing energy. I'm losing peace. Trying to do this in my own strength. Instead of humbling myself and allowing God to be the one that propels me forward. I'm, I'm leaning back on the everlasting arms and saying, Lord, you're going to have to help me. You're going to have to be the one that sustains me. And that's what we're talking about, being sustained by the glory. But notice it had to do with casting all of your care and laying aside weight. <laughs> that's what it said in uh, Hebrews. And that's another thing that is spiritual weight, is anxiety. Worry, being full of care about everything and everybody, and not only taking on the care about everybody and everything, but allowing people to put the care of everything on you. That's weight. You don't want to do that. You don't want to allow that to happen. That's going to try to hinder you. 
That doesn't mean you don't care about people in the sense of you love them and you want the best for them and you pray for them and you do everything you can to be a blessing to them. But you also got to remember that you're not God and you do everything you can do to help somebody, but there are some things that are out of your hands and you don't want to try to take on the weight and the care of something that you can't do, you can't fix, you can't try to do that just to be weighed and burdened with somebody else. That'll hinder you from running your race. So the result of humility is being exalted by God's mighty hand. And let me say this to you. Grace is the recompense of humility. And humility is the key card to grace. You say, well, what about faith, Ben? I thought that it's by faith that we access grace. You can't have real faith without humility. Romans 12.3 talks about through the grace given to me, uh, to everyone I say, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think soberly as God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. You know, you see that humility has to do with grace and faith in this. You can't have it without humility. Not thinking more highly of yourself, what you can do, where your faith is. In other words, casting all your care. Do you see that? Look at this in Psalm 131. It says, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in matters too great or in things too wonderful for me. You see that language, exercise? Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. It ceased from fretting. In the uh, newer Amplified Bible, it says, I don't involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. In the uh, Passion Translation says, My heart is meek before you, and I don't pursue matters that are over my head, but I am humbled and quieted in your presence. Do you see the connection between humility, meekness, and casting all of your care, laying aside every weight? Um. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24, we read this in the last podcast, but he said, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Now, here's something. Is how you run your race going to affect whether or not you obtain the prize? You finish the way you're supposed to finish. Yes. He said, everyone who competes for the prize is, watch this, temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Now, that's interesting. He's comparing natural with spiritual. Okay, I want to point that out to you. He said, therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus, I fight not as one who beats the air. But he said, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. These are all athletic terminologies. These are all things that have to do with running a race or winning a fight, like Rocky. You know, this this athletic thing. But here's what I want to point out to you. He's still talking about this athletic metaphor. I think a lot of times we've isolated this verse about I bring my body under and put it into subjection. And we've we've just isolated it as something we do with our physical body. And there's a truth in that 
Uh, if you don't discipline your flesh, you're going to get into trouble. If you don't keep your flesh from doing everything it wants to do, you will have trouble. You will have problems. And yes, you could become disqualified from doing what God has called you to do in the sense that you can miss out on some things. Now, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So even if you've messed up, you can still repent. And yeah, maybe there'll be some natural consequences, but the Lord will still help you and you can still do what you're called to do. You can still do what you're anointed to do. But that's not really the heart of what I think he's communicating here. There's a truth in that. And I know many people who have listened to this podcast have heard it preached that way, and I'm not contradicting that at all. That's true. Don't don't think this is taking away from that. Let's just look at it from this angle. He's still talking about racing. He's still talking about fighting. And he said, if I don't discipline my body, then I could be disqualified. I'm temperate in all things. He's comparing natural with spiritual. So there's definitely a truth in that naturally, but let's look at it from a spiritual perspective. If I'm not temperate spiritually, if I'm not guarded spiritually, if I don't have spiritual discipline, I'm not trying to just be too spiritual and and not talk about the flesh part of it, but for the sake of this podcast, let's zero in on this. If I allow myself to be encumbered with spiritual weight, then I could be disqualified from running my race. Do you see what I'm saying? If I allow myself to be encumbered by weights and sins, and that has to do with the flesh, but if I allow myself to be encumbered by that, I could be kept from finishing the race from running my course, I could be disqualified because I wasn't temperate in all things. He said they do it for a perishable crown, but we do it for an imperishable crown. So, yes, there's truth in this naturally, but he's painting a picture of something spiritually. Do you see that? And so we have to be careful about just trying to only apply this to the natural. It does apply to the natural, but there's a spiritual truth in this as well. He said, I don't run with uncertainty and I don't fight like one who beats the air. I said this in the last podcast, but something Brother Keith Moore says a lot is if you'll be more selective, you'll be more effective. Now, just like in Hebrews 12, if we don't take care of our inner man, it can affect the amount of grace that we are walking in to run the race. Um, in talking about not beating the air, being more selective, we have to guard the inner man. The Bible talks about, we talked about this, being renewed in the inner man day by day. Well, letting things be healed on the inside, getting rid of bitterness, laying aside care, this has to do with taking care of the inner man. What did he say in Proverbs? Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. See, we got we to gotta be more strategic in taking care of our inner man, not just the natural man, because this... <laughs> Our natural man has to do with what we can do naturally. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you don't take care of your temple, you can't stay on the earth. And it's important to take care of your temple. See, even Thomas the Train said amen to that. And he's not even a person, you know? But you got to take care of your train too. But anyway, but if you want to run your spiritual race, you've got to take care of your inner man. You've got to make sure that you get bitterness out of your inner man. You've got to make sure that you get rid of the care and the anxiety and the sin and the stuff that tries to affect the inner man. You have to let things be healed. What did he say in John? He said, I want you to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. 
See, we need to talk more about soul prosperity because it affects natural prosperity and natural health. And here's something else. He said, I don't run with uncertainty. Uh, If you don't know where you're going, if you don't have a clear vision, if you're wavering, then you can't run with certainty. You have to have your eye on the prize. And in order to do that, there will be course corrections in how you get there. But your destination doesn't change. What did, what did Paul say in Philippians? He said, he said that I'm looking forward to the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. He talked about how he didn't, he didn't focus on all the agendas of man and everything else. We may look at that here in a little bit. But his eyes were on the prize. Now, we're still talking about for this cause. This is the cause that we're pursuing. Our eyes are on the prize of the manifestation of the glory for the sake of his glory. I'm running my race sponsored by Jesus. I'm running my race for this cause. And, you know, he talks about beating the air. You know, a lot of people are fighting everything but the good fight of faith. We are told to fight the good fight of faith. And, you know, you got to identify things that are trying to suck out your energy that are not the good fight of faith and keep you from running your race, keep you from exerting energy on the things that you need to exert energy on. You know, uh, again, back to Isaiah 40, he said, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. You know, let me say it to you like this. You've got to trade your weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, for the weight, W-A-I-T. You know, waiting on God renews and refreshes you so that you can run your race. Have you ever heard the story about the lumberjack who sharpened his axe? There were all these lumberjacks out in the wood, and they're working all day and sweating to to chop down these trees. And there was this one lumberjack that came out there, and all he did was sit down uh, for an hour and just sharpen his axe. That's all he did was sharpen his axe. And people were looking looking at him like, what's wrong with him? Why isn't he working? Why isn't he getting out there? Why isn't he doing more? But he's just sitting there and sharpening his axe. And then all at once, he goes to this big old tree and chops it down in three chops. Why? Because he sharpened his axe. He waited. Do you see that? If you'll be more selective, you'll be more effective. You got to get rid of the weight and instead take time to wait. And when you do that, you're sharpening your axe and you're going to strike a blow. You're not beating the air. You're not fighting with uncertainty. Do you see that? And, and you're not losing the race. You're obtaining the prize. You're running in such a way that you may obtain. So how do I run my race and humble myself and cast my care and lay aside every weight and be selective and guard against bitterness, etc.? How do I do that? Well, watch this. Isaiah 28, 16 says, He that believes shall not make haste. In the Amplified Bible, it says, He who trusts in, relies on, and and adheres to that stone, that goes back to what we were talking about in the last podcast, will not be disturbed or give way in sudden panic. He won't be disturbed or give way in sudden panic. In the complete Jewish Bible, it says, He won't rush here and there. What's this painting a picture of? Not being distracted. I'm not stopping to defend myself to the hecklers. I'm not getting off of the race to rush to something else, an emergency over here, emergency over there, 
I'm not trying to put out all these little fires constantly. I'm running my race. I'm not rushing here and there. I'm not giving place, giving way in sudden panic. These are things that will try to take you away from running your race. And I'll say this to you. A part of the grace to run your race is setting a pace. (laughs) And I didn't just say that because that's my last name. But you got to learn how to put it on cruise control. Are you listening to me? You've got to learn how to put it on cruise control. What does that mean? I'm, my foot's off the gas. I'm learning the pace of grace. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And that means I'm not stopping for every little thing that happens here and there. I'm just setting it on cruise and I'm going. I'm not in a rush. I'm not in a hurry. I'm not making haste. I've got it set on 65 and I'm leaning back. I'm letting the mighty hand of God propel me forward. Do you see that? Let me show you this in Matthew 11 in the message translation in verse 28. He said, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Then come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. He said, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. What's that? That's training. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. He talks about learning the unforced rhythms of grace. That's how you run your race. You got to learn to set it on cruise control. You know, you notice in Isaiah, this idea of not making haste also carried with it not giving in, not giving way. So what am I not giving into? Something trying to knock me off course. Something trying to slow me down. Something trying to speed me up. Pressure. Pressure coming from any side. What did he say in 2 Corinthians? We're pressed on all sides. But I'm on cruise control. (laughs) And when you're on cruise control, you don't have to speed up. You don't have to slow down. You just lean back and enjoy the ride. Amen. Glory to God. You got to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I want to come back to something else here. Uh, He said in 2 Corinthians, he referred to tribulation and trouble as light and momentary affliction. Well, let me ask you this. What is it that would make something seem light and momentary, even though it was suffering or it was hard? Well, the grace of God would do that. But I was reminded of this, this thing, you've probably heard about it, called the runner's high. Have you ever heard about the runner's high? It's this threshold that people break through after they've suffered a while. And they hit a second wind. And then all of a sudden, it's like endorphins kick in and adrenaline kicks in. And they feel like they could go for another however many miles. It's something that kicks in. It's called a runner's high. It's an adrenaline rush. And it happens when you hit a certain point. This runner's high. Well, we talked about in First Peter chapter 5 how he said, uh, cast your care unto the Lord for he cares for you. Humble yourself. Well, if you go on, just right after that, he talked about resisting the enemy, steadfast in the faith. And he says this, but the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory, ooh, come on, after you have suffered a while, will perfect you, establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. What is that? That's putting you on cruise control. Ooh, 
come on. That's putting you on cruise. That, 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 that's the unforced rhythms of grace. But what, what, what did it come after you had suffered a while? Oh, come on. But just a little while, what happened? You hit that runner's high. Oh, come on. You tapped into that reservoir of grace. You hit that runner's high. And now you're on cruise control, baby. Now nothing can slow you down. Now, now you're headed. You've got it set. You've got destination set. It's on autopilot. And, and you know where you're going and you're leaning back on the everlasting arms. That is his mighty hand. The last thing I want to mention to you is that he said that it is for the joy that is set before us that we endure our race. That's what Jesus did. For the joy that's set before him, he endured the cross and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I mentioned this earlier, but I want to come back to it. What helps a runner finish his race is when he's running for a cause. For a cause. I'm not running for my cause. I'm not running for their cause. I'm not running for dad's cause or mom's cause or grandma's cause or uncle's cause or my friend's cause or this or that. No. When I'm running for this cause, when my focus is on the right cause, my race is sponsored by the grace. Come on. And that is what empowers me and strengthens me and enables me to run my race and the abundant grace of God that redounds to the glory of God is causing me to not faint, not grow weary. And it helps me, it empowers me to finish my course with joy. Amen. Glory to God. Well, if you haven't given your life to the Lord, I know I've been doing this a lot, but just in case somebody's listening to this that didn't listen to the last one, I just want to give you an opportunity that don't waste another minute. The most important thing you can do is give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus. He loves you. He died for you. He rose again so that you could be with him. And there is a race that's set before you, and there's grace for that. And he wants you to accomplish what he's ordained you to accomplish. But the biggest thing is he doesn't want you to be lost. You know, I hear people say this and they say, well, you know, salvation isn't just being saved from hell. And that's true. And we want to realize that. But if that was all, it would be enough. If not being lost for eternity, being separated from God from eternity, if that was all we gained, listen, that would be enough. And don't belittle that. Don't make light of that. That's a big deal. There, there really isn't anything that's bigger than that. No, you want to spend eternity with the one who gave his life for you, who loves you, who created you. And so I'm not going to lead you in a, in a prayer, but I just want to encourage you, reach out to him by faith. Tell him you love him. Tell him you believe in him. Tell him you want him in your life. You want him in your heart. You want him to be your Lord. Repent for anything that you've done in the past, which we've all sinned, we've all come short of the glory of God, and receive the abundant grace. Receive the cleansing of the blood. And if you do that, babe, your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You'll be saved, and you will spend eternity with him. I hope you got something out of this episode today, and I appreciate you joining me for this, and I'll talk to you the next time you click play. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you, he loves everyone else, and please don't forget to feed the ducks. Ah.